ready for a word today. As you know, we uh, have been in a series for the last few weeks called His Presence, and we're going to wrap that series up today. We're going to close it out. Next weekend, we've got Gateway coming in, and then the weekend after that is Easter. Can you believe it? It's already here. Um, right after that. So we'll have Easter weekend, obviously. It's usually the largest attended service of our, of our year. Uh, and so today we're going to be closing out this series called His Presence. Talked a lot about throughout the weeks how as a child of God, we are created and designed to live in and from His presence. That was part of the original design in the garden, that man would live in the fullness of the presence of God. The culmination of our destinies when we enter into heaven is that we will be in the fullness of the presence of God. It says the, glory, the, the, the whole world will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. So the glory will just be everywhere, all over, will be in the fullness of the presence of God. While we're here on this earth, God invites us into this journey. Know me more. Seek my face. See as much of me as you can. Come deeper and deeper into my presence that you may have everything it is that I desire for you to have in this relationship with me. Talked about how the mountain of God that Moses led the people to is a figure or a symbol of going up the mountain, going deeper into the presence of God, knowing Him in greater and greater ways, which is an invitation that exists right now, today, for you and I. Some will tread those waters and go very deep. Others don't know that there is more. They're caught up in dead religion and dead works and don't realize this thing's about relationship and intimacy. And so the desire in this series is to help us all, and I believe we are doing that, have an increasing passion to know God more and go deeper into this relationship with him that we may become all that he's created us to be. And all the while, there's this longing and anticipation in our hearts, in our minds, knowing that there is even more ahead that yet yet awaits us when we step into the fullness of glory on the other side. And for the believer, that's the hope that anchors our soul, that it's always getting better, and God always has more for us. Amen? Amen. And so today, as we close things out, this is where I want to go. We've spent a lot of this time, and rightly so, talking about how the presence of God in this relationship with us intimately and personally affects our lives, it blesses us, it does so much for us. Today, as we close it out, I want to talk about how the presence of God in your life, living from the presence of God, has incredible implication on the lives of other people around you. Because what God is doing in you and through you has outward implications. You have a calling. You have a purpose. God has a unique design for your life and what he wants to do in and through you. And that's beautiful. That is to be celebrated. No two people in this room, in this city, in this nation, or in this world have an exact same destiny. God has something unique for you. Yet at the same time, all of us, our calling, our purpose, is linked 
together as the body of Christ towards a greater mission, which is God's kingdom plan to build his kingdom and to populate heaven. And all of us are connected in that way. Yes, the expression of your destiny is going to look different. Some are in the marketplace, some are in ministry, some are called in family life or in neighborhoods and all these different things, right? But we are all hooked together, so to speak, towards this greater kingdom plan, which is to serve God and serve his people. And the way God works through us should be impacting people all around the world. God says, I'm going to put a destiny in you, and that destiny is going to be used to lead more people to me. And you have to understand that, that it's this exciting, exhilarating revelation that God has a purpose for your life, but the perspective has to be set in a way where we understand it's really not just about us. (laughs) If it were, we'd be gone the moment we got saved, wouldn't we? We'd already be there. But he says, no, it's, it's not just about you. It's about all the other people that I want to use you to impact. And so today, as we close this out in the series, His Presence, the title of this message is To Love and Lead. To Love and Lead. Because we have to recognize that our lives, as God works through us and uses us, are designed to lead other people to him, right? To lead other people to him. People see God through you. They see the evidence. We sang about that today. I love that song, by the way. Don't you? Evidence. The evidence of God's goodness and his work. They see it on you and in you. And because of that, people are being led God. Moses led the people to the mountain of God, a meeting place with God where they could come into his presence and know him more, and they could be a people whom God dwells in their midst. As believers, we are part of our mission and assignment is to lead people to the mountain of God so to speak, to know him more and the way we live our lives, that that would be almost like an arrow pointing to the goodness and the glory of God. It's it's embedded in the Great Commission that Jesus assigned to his church and we are his church. He says, go and make disciples. Help people know me and follow me as you know me and follow me. It's embedded in us. It's that mission is put in us when the Spirit of God comes to live on the inside of us. Just like a needle on a compass that always finds its way back to due north, the Spirit of God that's in us is always moving towards the greater plan of kingdom work that God has for each and every one of us as children. But, you know, some of you, some of us don't at times even realize that we're leading people. Would you agree with me? I don't want you to discount that. I don't want you to underestimate that. When the Spirit of God comes to live on the inside of you, Carly, you're getting on fire for Jesus. I see it. I see it every time I see you. It's just all over you. You're you're glowing with that. I promise you, whether you know it or not, people are watching you now. 
differently than they were before. If God's working in you and on you, listen, his favor and his goodness, it's undeniably attractive. People are watching. They're paying attention. You may be leading people and you don't even realize it right now. You may be the greatest expression of who God is and what God looks like to people right now who are perishing. Please don't discount that. I had this really kind of crazy incident this week. I went to this uh, business community function, and as I was leaving, uh, I, was in, <laughs> I was in the elevator with this lady, and I, I knew who she was, but we'd never really met and talked before, and she's a professional in the community, runs a really successful business, and uh, so it was just her and I in the elevator, and we're, we're going down, and, and we got our masks on, and we're standing on opposite ends of the elevator, because they tell you that's what you're supposed to do so we're in there and we're talking you know and she's asking me questions and she's got like kind of this nervous energy about her right she's pretty high strung and she's got this big thing of coffee and she's holding and she's all decked out and real professional real put together you know and so and so she's got this nervous energy and so I'm, I'm a little nervous you know and we're, and we're in this elevator and it's just like you know how, how long does it take to go down four floors right and then we get out, and as we're leaving, um, I, I'm leaning, and she's walking behind me, and I always am very conscientious of being as gentlemanlike as I can to ladies. I was raised that way. I want my kids to see that, you know, and so we come up to leave as we're talking, and you know those, like, uh, carousel-style doors, wherever you push them around, and they rotate around? So we come up to these carousel doors, and... Why it didn't occur to me then, I'm not sure. It makes a lot of sense now. But the, the most gentleman-like thing would have been, as my wife pointed out, probably just to allow her to go first, you know, through the carousel. But I, in my haste, I just thought the gentleman-like thing to do would be to assist the lady. <laughs> and so I quickly go into the bay, I guess you call that, First, you know, you got your little triangle wedge, everybody. And so I go to push it, and I'm thinking, I'm going to assist this and quickly move this thing forward so that the next base swings around and then she can enter in. So I shove this thing. I got a little bit of energy. I don't know <laughs> if you ever realized that. And so I shove this thing really hard, and it spins. And I didn't realize it, but she tried to get in the same bay with me. And I crushed her in the wall, and the, the door slammed into her and crushed her into the wall. Her coffee pops up and screams, oh my! It was terribly awkward. Terribly awkward. And so I'm, and so I, there's this moment where I'm like, what I do? So I, I backed it off. She slid out, and then I'm like, like go again or so I went again and then she finally came into the next bay and then she spun around and she walked out and she's like okay bye and she just left <laughs> my point is if you don't pay attention to how you're leading people right now you might crush people in a carousel. <laughs> oh, 
please do not underestimate or discount that when God is working in your life, people are paying attention because that's undeniably attractive. The favor of God is undeniably attractive to people. But we're leading. We're called to lead others towards God. Exodus chapter 3, verse 12. This was Moses initially on the mountain of God when God called him up to the burning bush experience. And these words from God to Moses were, I will be, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, listen to this, you shall serve God on this mountain. This is kind of amazing to me. Because he says, when you come back here, Moses, when you come back to this place, the mountain of God, you know, where you're meeting with me right now and you lead people back here to meet with me, he says, you're going to serve God. You're going to serve me on this mountain. And so you think, well, how is he serving God? By serving people. Do you see that? He's serving God by serving the people of God when he leads them to the meeting place with God. Servant leadership is the only kind of leadership in the kingdom. It's the only kind. And one of the things that's very refreshing or freeing, if you will, I believe and should be for you as well, is that the way God asks us to lead is as a servant. And we are leading people to him. We are not leading people to ourselves. We are not the final stop or the final destination. Wouldn't that be disappointing if I were the end? You're like, dude can't even work a carousel. I mean, that's a problem. <laughs> you know? No, we're not leading people to ourselves. That'd be building our own kingdom. We're leading people to God. He's the place beyond us that we're trying to get them to see. I'm fallible. I'm imperfect. I'm a mess. He's perfect and pure and unbelievable. And he'll save your soul and take you right into glory, into eternity. I can just help you know him. I can just lead you to him. And the way I live my life and the way God operates through me is I live in and from his presence. Amen? Servant leadership. And I'll tell you something, folks, when you make a decision in your life and you really lead with this, God's been working on me in a deep way with this, where you are a servant in everything you do. Look, my role here at Life Church X is to lead and feed the congregation, but I do that as a servant. I'm here to serve. And when you lead as a servant, it is unbelievable when that's your heart, God, I'm here to serve. Do what you want to do. Help me see how to serve these people or this person or whatever I'm at. It is amazing when you get that first and you get that right, how the anointing of God will come upon you and explode over you to do things that you could never do on your own. Does you want to be a servant? You want to serve me by serving people? There you go. Let me anoint you to do what it is that I want you to do in this situation. And that's what we need. We need an empowerment it's far greater than anything we could ever do. Would you agree with me? Let me ask you something. Would you say that being born again and being made alive spiritually is supernatural? Clearly, right? Would you agree that leaving this world and going into heaven 
is miraculous and supernatural. Your calling, your purpose that God has for your life, it's birthed out of the supernatural by the author of life himself. Therefore, it stands to reason that it would need something supernatural to empower it to actually be fulfilled. We run, we operate on the presence and power of God. You can't separate God's people from the need for his presence and the design to operate from his presence. The power has to go with us so that there's something different about the way that we live that the world would see. And Moses is leading people to the mountain. But here's what's fascinating is that God invited him up the mountain first by himself to have the experience that he had with the burning bush and to get in God's presence, to know where and what the mountain of God was all about before he sent him to go get the one million people and lead them out of Egypt in bondage into the wilderness back to the mountain of God. You say, well, what's so significant about that? It's very hard to lead someone you, where you've never been. Wow. Moses is already there. He tasted it. He touched it. He was in it. He was in God's presence in a fascinating, profound way. God says, okay, now you know what it's like. Now you've been marked by this. Now go and lead people back here to a place you know how to get them to. We've got to show people the way. We have to let our lives be a reflection of God in such a way that they can see him and find him and know how they can enter into a life where they live in the presence of God and his purpose and destiny for them is able to be unfolded. Amen? The leaders who are most qualified to lead. As we see in the whole example in Exodus, the leaders who are most qualified to lead are those who are closest to God. There's nothing different about that today. Leaders most qualified to lead in the kingdom are those who are closest to God. Think about it. Moses was the most qualified by God's appointment to lead the people. Moses spent the most amount of time of anyone on the mountain with God. Now take it a step further. At 120 years of age, Moses died. By Mount Nebo and he was no more and God took him. Who was next in line? Joshua was the next leader. Now, let me ask you this. Besides Moses, who spent the most amount of time on the mountain and who got the closest up in the cloud besides Moses? Joshua. Remember when Moses separated from the other elders? Guess who went with him? Just Joshua. And Moses went the rest of the way. But Joshua was the next leader of the people and he was also the one who spent the most amount of time close and in the presence of God. And I just believe with all my heart that our world is desperate for genuine, godly leaders. 
who will arise. Say, I send me, Lord. Well, let's recognize clearly you want to be called to lead and God send you. There's got to be a life that's cultivated in his presence so that we are fully empowered and equipped with everything we need to lead at those high demands and levels that will be pulled upon us. I was just talking to Katie recently, and we were discussing where things are at in the church and life, and just God is just so good, and we just are so blessed right now in everything that's going on. And I was just telling her that I am very conscious of the fact that the, the best things, that are coming out of me right now, leading and feeding and, and all of that. The best things that are coming out of me are being birthed in his presence. It's easy to see when you look back. And, and certainly we, you know, I pray and ponder and meditate and study, but I'm telling you the seeds of those things, the birthing place of those things is really happening as I'm just spending time in the presence of God. And the more I do, it seems like the more things continue to increase and how valuable they are, so to speak, in what it is that I'm trying to do with my life. And if that be the case, it's almost like we need a bit of an overhaul on our outlook or perspective towards effectiveness and efficiency. Because from a worldly standard, it would suggest, and I lived my life this way for over 10 years, all through my 20s when I was in the marketplace and in business, you know, the mindset was do more, do more, do more. Work more, work more, work more. Sleep less, sleep less, sleep less. Gulp more vitamins, do more, do more, do more. That's the whole mentality. The lie really is that you would be most effective if you work yourself to death. But the truth in the economy of God is the more time you're spent being empowered and encouraged and imparted to in the presence of God, the more effective and efficient you're actually going to be when you get down the mountain and go to do what it is that God is calling you to do. Isn't that unbelievable? We come to God for Him. He's the prize. We get blessed. In fact, our socks get blessed right off because we get blessed so much ourselves that God says it's just gonna, it needs to flow all the way up and then pour over the brim until it overflows because you're going to stay fully full for you, but all the overflow, that's for all the other people and all the other things that you're supposed to do. And it's in my presence that it get, fills up to the overflow like that. Can I ask you a question? Isn't that a perfect design? It's an absolutely perfect design. But it's not a natural way of thinking. Neither is tithing, neither is Sabbath. I do more in six days than seven uh, because God will bless me in a way on that day of rest and refreshing where I'll be more effective and sick. God will do more with 90% of my increase than 100% because he's blessing it. It's supernatural. And that's the life God's inviting us into. You want to live in and from the presence of God so that you will be most effective and efficient in everything it is that he's calling you to do. 
And the crazy thing is, this is a blessing from God that we sometimes throw away. I've got to do more, do more, do more. I can't get up on the mountain. I can't spend time. I don't have time. And we miss the whole design of how this looks. Those who are closest to him, who know him most, are the ones who radiate with all the things that God has been doing. And they become most effective in the kingdom in the work that they're doing for him. So that was my first point. Number one, I forgot to mention that, is to lead. title is to love and lead. And in order to lead, we must love. So number two is to love. To love. Jesus made it really clear. He said, if you're going to lead people to me, then you're going to have to love them there. That's actually going to be the key to you being effective in leading people to me is loving them. But listen, it's a really tall order. He says love them, not with a worldly kind of love, okay? Some of us love pizza. Some of us love fried chicken. This is a different kind of love. He says, I want you to love people the way that I love you. Whoa. Whoa. That's tall order, my friends. And it's a tall order because in the natural, it's impossible. You can't love like that. I can't love like that. Yet Jesus asks us to. What's that all about? Well, you have to understand that God will never ask us to do or call us to do something that he is not able and willing to equip us to be able to do. This is good news. Love like me. I can't love like you. Hold on. Love others as I have loved you. By this, they'll know you're my disciples. By this, you'll be effective at leading people to me. Love others as I have loved you. He's saying, receive my love. Let me pour it out to you unconditionally. You can't earn that. Jesus' blood already did. Let me give you my love, pour it out to you, so that you can actually give something you already have. You can't give away something you don't have. But if he pours his love out to us and we receive his love, guess what? Now we actually can go and love the way Jesus is asking us to love. And that's the way we're going to lead people back to him. We don't do it by force and spear point. Come on, get yourself to Jesus. Come on, don't you know it? You're going to get there or you're going to burn. Come on. No, he says you love him there. Real leadership is persuasive. It's inviting. People follow because they want to, not because they have to. It's influence. And he says, I'll put that on you with my favor in a way you can't even imagine what that would look like if you'll be willing to love people the way that I love you. Wow, that's a tall order. But as God gives us his love and it equips us to do that, listen, spending time in his presence Worshiping, praying, reading his word. You know what he's doing in that spiritual activity? He's loving on us. 
loving on us, filling us with that. And we come out full, equipped. And the beautiful thing is, guess what? Love never fails. It's got a perfect record when it's authentically in operation. You want to be successful in anything you're doing? How can I serve? How can I love? I'm telling you, God will bless that. Right? Go and love never fails. But let me tell you something. We will never be more aware of our inability to love like Jesus asked us to love than when we are asked to love people who don't love us back. Oh, 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 man. So good until there. You're going there. All right. Let me say it another way, to love people who hate. Jesus says it's easy to love people who love you back. Easy. <laughs> Don't pat ourselves up. Like, that's easy, right? He says it's totally different when I ask you to love those who don't love you back, who reject you, who hate you. Did Jesus have plenty of experience with that? In fact, let me take it a step further. Ouch. It's a guarantee <laughs> that if you love like Jesus, there will be people who will hate you for it. The guarantee that he gives. But all I know is, I'd rather be hated by the world for loving like Jesus than hated by the world for being a jerk. <laughs> Come on, right? <laughs> it's a guarantee. It's going to happen. But there is not a Jesus, when he came to the city, next week we'll celebrate Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry of Jesus into the city of Jerusalem before the cross. And when he came in, you know what he did? He looked upon the city and he wept. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, oh, how I desire to gather you to myself as a hen does her chicks. Yet they spit on him, hated him, and crucified him to the point of death. Jesus didn't stop loving them because many people hated him. He kept on going because many people would love him. That's unconditional. Some won't, many will, and we are called to love them all. Oh, we're called to love them all. There's a really awesome picture of this with Moses on the mountain. And I want to show you this. This has really exploded to me in this past season. We've been in this series and studying this. Exodus chapter 32 Okay, Moses is on the mountain right now. He's in the presence of God. And the people are down at the bottom making the golden calf. Let's listen to this dialogue between Moses and God. Verse 7, the Lord said to Moses, Get down, for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. And they have made for themselves a golden calf. They have worshipped it, sacrificed to it, and they've said, This is your God, O Israel, who have brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and indeed, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore, let me alone, 
that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them. I will make you a great nation. Now, think about this for a second with me. The people down on the bottom of the mountain while Moses is up in the presence of God have just completely turned away from God into idolatry. Moses is in the glory up here. And God says, my wrath is going to destroy them now, Moses. They've completely turned against me. And I don't know if you caught this there at the end, but he says, Moses, I'll make you a great nation. I don't know if you ever saw that before. But basically what God is saying is, I'm going to start over, Moses. Just like in the flood, I'm going to start over. I'm going to wipe all of these people out. And you are going to be the continuation of the Abrahamic covenant. Because it's everlasting, it's a promise, and I'm faithful. I'll start over with you, Moses. I'll make you a great nation. And all these people at the bottom of the mountain who've just went into complete idolatry, backslidden, hating God. Let me say it this way. They hated Moses too. Just a few chapters ago, they wanted to kill Moses because they didn't have water at a place they were at. They were trying to kill him just days ago. Now put yourself there with me for just a minute, okay? Because this is kind of hard, but I did this. I had to put myself there. What would I do? I'm going to wipe them out. They're, they hate you. They hate me. But I'm going to make a great nation out of you. I'm going to fulfill a great plan in you. We might be like, all right, you know, sounds good, God. Yeah, I mean, you know, look what they did. But there's still breath in their lungs. Yes, sinful and wicked they are, but there's still breath in their lungs. How does Moses respond to this? I'll make you a great nation. I got you taken care of. I just got to deal with all these wicked. Listen to how Moses responds. Go back to, uh, go to verse 31, chapter 32. So Moses returned to the Lord and he said, Oh, these people have committed a great sin, and they have made for themselves a God of gold. Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, blot me out of your book, which you have written. Moses pleads with God in this moment, even to the point of offering his own life to save these people. Blows me away. Blows me away. He says, God, if you will Save these people, please. If not, just take me with them. Wow. Moses sacrificially offers to lay his life down in order to save a bunch of wicked, sinful people who are perishing. Let me ask you a question. Who does that How do you love like that? Moses was in the presence of God. He's been impacted by this to the point that his response in this moment, God said, I'm going to take him out and make you great. 
And Moses says, no, God, I'm contending with you for the lives and the souls of all of those who are perishing. You know what happened? God relented. Not because Moses was qualified to sacrifice himself. He couldn't do that. Jesus did that. But this is a prefigure of that. And this shows us that Moses was loving the way that God is asking us to love people, which is sacrificially to the point of serving them, laying down our lives for them. Folks, we are at a point in our world today where there are people who are hating Christians, hating God, hating everything the Bible stands for. And I'm asking you, I'm asking myself, are we rejoicing and judgment comes upon them? Or are we contending for the souls of those who are perishing to the point that we're willing to lay our lives down to serve them and love them that they may enter into the kingdom of God? Wow, a love like this, a love like this is exactly what God says, that's how, it will, that's how you'll lead people to me. We've got to get beyond the easy kind of love, everyone who loves us back, and get to the place where our hearts break for those, even when they're in their wickedness and perishing. Moses had nothing to do with the sin on the base of the mountain. He wasn't even involved in the golden calf, yet he's willing to die for these people. Moses said to God, I'll stay in the desert with your presence and forfeit the land of milk and honey just to stay with you, God. He was willing to give up all of the blessings of the milk and honey in the promised land to stay with God. Yet in this moment, when it's the people's lives who are on the line, he's willing to lose his life to try and save theirs. Oh, this is a kind of love that the world needs to see from the church right now. And I'm telling you, you can't do this on your own. You've got to know the presence of God. You've got to live in the presence of God. He's got a love on you so often and so much that when you come down the mountain and you do what you do with your life, it's pouring out of you everywhere you go. Oh, It is mission critical. But there will be great resistance. You say, oh, pastor, I'm going, I want that. I desire that. Praise God. And that's where we begin pursuing God for these, this deeper relationship. But do not be caught off guard or surprised by the fact that there will be great resistance. There's an enemy of your soul who will set every attack loose and assign it right out of the pit of hell, demon forces and everything else to try and stop that in your life. But praise God, greater is he who is in you than he who is in this world. He can't win that victory if you stay in authority, but he will still unleash all of hell to try and stop you from climbing the mountain of God, from going deeper into your relationship and presence with Him. He'll try to send His pawns and people who are bound up in His control to hate you and, and come against you, to cause you to give up and hate them back instead of loving them. And He'll try to even use your own flesh and your own temptations 
to manipulate you and pull you away from going deeper into the thing that actually equips you to be most effective in your life and make you think you've got to be busy, busy, busy with all the things down here to where you actually never have time to get up there. We've got to have the vantage point from up here to really see the reality of things down here as they are. A great leader doesn't ignore reality. They go up and they get a higher vantage point over it that they may have the wisdom to know what to do about it. And I encourage you with this today. As you say, this is my heart. To go deeper, to know him more. I want that in my life. I want to close this message in this series out with this incredible dose of encouragement. And we're going to go back to Psalms 24, where we were last week. The question that is asked, who may climb the mountain of God? Who may ascend his holy hill? He says, those who have a pure heart and clean hands. Spoke in great length about that last week. But listen to this. I want to point one more final thing out to you today as we close. Verse 5. It says that that person who decides to climb the mountain of God, pursue him and know him more, to seek his face, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Now listen to this. This is incredible. Those who seek, pursue. Not those who are perfect and not those who do it perfect. Those who have a pure heart, clean hands, right before God, who seek his face. He says, those people, guess what? They will have a blessing that comes upon them from the Lord. You could say that another way. They will have favor from the Lord. So to seek, to pursue, at whatever point you're at in your life, brand new Christian or been walking with God your whole life and never really thought or, or been revealed these things, you start seeking. You start pursuing. God, I want to see your face. He says, when you do, the moment you do, there'll be a blessing that comes upon you. The favor of God will come upon you. And listen to this. The favor of God means that his face is turned towards you. His face is looking on you. Therefore, his favor is upon you. There is a blessing upon you. You can't see his whole face, but when you seek his face and you pursue, his face is looking on you. There is favor and blessing on you, and you will be able to climb the mountain of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wherever you're at today, you say, I'm ready. I want to seek. I want to pursue. I want to go deeper. Your heart is right with God, and you're ready to go. I'm telling you. He's smiling on you right now. He's looking on you and he is smiling on you. His favor is all over you. You're blessed and highly favored, child of God. You are equipped supernaturally to do things that God is calling and equipping you to do. Receive that today. Know that today. Let's go climb the mountain of God. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come down here today as we close. If you need prayer for anything at all, Anything in your life you're struggling with or dealing with, 
troubles, trials, or you just need to figure out how to get closer to Jesus. You need to figure out, I want to give my life to him. I want to surrender my life. I don't know if I've ever done that before. I just want to invite you to come down before we go today and receive prayer, be ministered to. We love you. We want to encourage you and walk with you on this journey that you're on to know your calling and your purpose. So you are welcome to just come out of your chair, walk down to the front at any moment. For the rest of us, let's stand. Pastor Guy and the worship team, take us out of here today. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. Holy Spirit, as the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us and come down. Spirit, when you move, you make my heart pound. When you feel the room, you're here and I know you are moving. I'm here and I know you will feel me come down. Spirit, when you move, you make my heart pound. When you feel the room, you're here and I know you are moving. I'm here and I know you will feel me. Feel this place. Fill us up. Fill us up. Fill us up, God.
place today. Just let him fill you. Just let him saturate you. As we go this week, as we're dismissed, remember that we lead from love. And to be in his presence is the only way we're going to know how to do that. But as you go, don't forget, look behind you. Don't squash nobody. Lead them well, okay? Amen. Do you enjoy the presence series, his presence? I mean, that was amazing. So take it with you. You're dismissed, and God bless. Amen. Amen.